Welcome to another podcast sermon. I trust that you are well. I trust that you are learning. I trust that you are growing. I trust that you are spending time with the Lord, spending time in the Word, and looking into the to the goodness of God's Word. You know, without God's Word, we are nothing. The Bible is very clear that the that heaven and earth will fall away, but His Word will stand forever, and that not one part of the Word will ever fall away. So. I encourage you to always be sowing the word into your life. Now, for the last few weeks, we've been looking at this subject called love. And, um, you know, it's very important that we we just stick with it and be bear with me and be patient with me. Um, it's not just that I want to stay on the subject, but when we look around at the world right now, when we look at everything that's been happening, and we look at our own country, we look at our own lives, we look at our circumstances, our surroundings, and all of these things, and we can see that there is a great... Um, lack for lack of love. There's a great need for for loving people the co- correct way and loving people correctly. Not just looking for your own gain and for your own benefit, but when you love somebody, you're loving them for their benefit. Amen. And so it's so important that you know you, you, when you're in a room and when you're talking to people, it's not about making yourself the most important. You know, Jesus said when you get invo- invited to a wedding, you rather sit at the back and be called to the front and be made important rather than sit in the front and be moved to the back and to be made small, you know. So it's very important to understand what Jesus was trying to do and what, what he was always trying to reflect back to his disciples and what he's trying to reflect back to us, you know. Life is, yes, life is important and life is your life to live and your life, you, every single one of us, we wanted to add up to something. And you know what? How do we get it to add up to something? You know, we got to trust God for it firstly. But, you know, you could spend all the time, the Bible says, what does it gain a man to win the world but to lose his soul? You see, so we could spend so much time trying to gain things, but we could end up losing what's valuable and what's important. And so when you come back to this the subject of love. Love is about making somebody else feel worthy. Love is about making somebody else feel important. Never be the object and the and the most important part of the conversation. Always make other people feel important. And this is what it's all about. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus gave his time to when he was tired and when he needed time to rest and when he needed to get away and when he was emotionally drained. You know, people were pulling on him, but he always served the people first. And so when we get to the place where we serve people first, then we will start to see breakthroughs. You know, you want grace to come into your life. One one day of grace cannot be compared to a thousand days of labor. So you could labor for a thousand days, but if you receive one day of grace, it cannot be compared. Amen. And that's what we want in our lives. We want God's grace, and that's what we want to activate. And how do you activate grace? You don't activate grace by you doing great works. You activate grace by doing the works that God wants you to do, activating the, the Bible's principles and, and getting involved in biblical principles. And that what activates grace in our lives. And we want that grace in our lives because, folks, when you think about your life, you don't want to try and do it and, and by yourself and at the end of the day not get it. But you want God to get involved in, in your process. You want God to get involved in your life. So we need to look at the subject of love, right? And so when we, we've been talking about this, it's so hard to love other people if you don't love yourself, right? It's so hard to love other people if you don't love yourself. Hurting people hurt people. So angry people make other people angry, right? So you want to receive that love, you know? And, and, and when we talk about 
Um, you can't love other people until you love yourself, but we've also said that you can't love yourself until you love God. And you will never love yourself until God, through the Word and through your fellowship with Him, until you get rid of that guilt and that condemnation, you are never going to walk in love. You're never going to understand what it means to be loved. But he who has been loved much forgives much, right? And that's what we've been understanding. So if you don't forgive much, it's because you, you haven't been loved much. You haven't been loved much. And I'm not talking about the love of people. The reality is that we live in a world where parents have done their best and uh, relatives have done their best and family has done their best and people have done their best and the circles that you are, they've done their best. But their best at the end of the day is still not good enough, right? No matter how much somebody has loved, loved you, the, their love is still nothing compared to the love of God. So if you've been loved much, you forgive much. So when we think of that, we say, but you see, I haven't been loved, therefore I can't forgive. But it's not talking about the love of man. It's not talking about receiving the love of man. Even man can love you or woman can love you or whatever can love you. But it's still nothing compared to the love of God because the love of God is not just a sensual love. It's just not a friendship love. It's the love of God. It's God's love. It's God's sacrificial love and it's God's unconditional love. He didn't love us conditionally. He loved us unconditionally. He sent Jesus to die for us even before we were saved. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this is the love that we are talking about. You need to experience that love from God. So when you have received his love, when you are loved much, you will forgive much. Amen. When you understand how much God has loved you and forgiven you, then you realize that because he has given that love to you, who are you to hold and withhold that love to somebody else? And the Bible clearly tells us what happens if your brother offends you seven times in one day? What do you do? Then you forgive him seven times in one day. What if he does it seven times seven? Then you've forgiven him seven times seven times. Amen. So that's what you have to do. You've got to keep walking in love. You've got to keep walking in God's God's forgiveness and 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 and. Uh, you know, deliver that to people and let people see that and export that love to people. Amen. You got to walk in love. You got to walk in love. And how do you walk in love when you receive his love? And when you receive his love, you understand his forgiveness. And when you understand his forgiveness, then you don't find it difficult to forgive other people. Only reason why we find it difficult to forgive other people is because we ourselves are struggling with forgiveness. When we ourselves are struggling with forgiveness, then we find it difficult to forgive. But we want to get to that place where, you know, when it comes to, to people, you see, we've said this, that, that in this world that we're living in, people will see Jesus. But sometimes before they experience Jesus, the only Jesus they're going to see is the Jesus in you and the Jesus in me. And if we're not walking in that place where we're expressing the love of God, then people will never get to see God in action. Amen. They're never going to get to see God in action. And so we can tell people about God's goodness, but when they come to our sanctuaries, when they come to our places of worship, when they come to our churches, but if they don't see us expressing that love, then there's a confusion, right? You need to understand that people may not know the gospel yet. People may not know about Jesus yet. People may not know the word of God and understand the Savior and the Messiah and what he did for us yet. But do you know, you don't have to be a Christian to know what it means to be loved. Even if you, you, you've never known the Bible and you've never known Jesus, you know what it means to be loved in some form or fashion. But when, when people come to church, when people come to Jesus, they've never known that love. Amen. They've never known love like that before. Reminds us of that famous song, right? But they've never known love like that before. 
Amen. And so although they know what love is and although they're looking for love, when they figure out the love of God and the love of Jesus, and how will they figure that out? When we express that love to them. But we can't express that love until we are tapping into that love. And we will never tap into that love until we learn to be forgiven. And until you receive that forgiveness and you learn how to expropriate and receive that love from God. Amen. And then things start to move in your life. Let's look at Luke chapter 15 and um, just continue to understand this love of God that he that had that he has for us. And in verse 1, it says, All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And here we see that accusation again, that Jesus was hanging around sinners and, and eating with them. And you see, it's not that we shouldn't um, uh, influence people who are not Christians and we shouldn't mix with folks. It's about keeping company and keeping up with the practices. You see, we want to stay away from those practices, but what value is salt if salt is not put on that meat? If salt is not put on that meat, then what's the point of that salt? And if we as the salt and the light of the earth, which is the church of Jesus Christ, if we are not going to be in that places where there's darkness and, and infiltrating it and, and working with people, then what good is the salt, you see? So how will people ever know the love of God if we are not going to be in those places? And they are here we see in verse 7, he says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. So here in this chapter, it says, if the one sheep goes astray, leave the 99 and go and look for the one. And this is what we as, as a church need to be about. We need to learn how to go and look for the lost. We need to seek the lost out. We need to find them. Amen. We need to, when the 99 that are saved and the 99 that are righteous, you know, we need to stop focusing on all of the things that they're doing. Leave people to grow. Leave God to grow people. Be happy that people have received Jesus. And it doesn't mean that we must be happy that people are doing things that are wrong and we just tolerate it and accept it and, and, and we have to be the standard of God. God is the standard. Amen. And let God and his word remain the standard. And so when people are saved, allow people to grow and allow them to develop. Let's not focus on the 99 that are there that are loving God and may not be perfect. And this is what we are saying. Who are we to judge sin in terms of what's more outward and what's more inward? Both are wrong. Both are sin. So why are we determining what is more for sin and what's more acceptable and what's not acceptable? Some people have just become more professional at hiding away the things in their lives. And does that make them more righteous than somebody else who doesn't know how to hide or somebody else who doesn't bother about hiding it? No, it doesn't. Because at the end of the day, sin is sin. And so here Jesus is saying that there's 99 who have stayed behind and are doing things right in the church and working and, and, and they got a few issues. Don't worry about them. Let, let the word of God, at least stay in the right place. Let the word of God work on them. Let the love of God work on them. Let them stay in that place of fellowship and let them grow. But what should you do? Chase the one who does not know Jesus or chase the one who is walking away from Jesus or chase the one who is falling away from the faith. Chase them down. Chase them down for what? Not to argue with them, not to beat them over the head. The Bible says when you restore someone, restore them in a spirit of meekness and gentleness. Amen. And so it's so important to be gentle 
And so we need to seek people who are walking away from the faith. We need to seek people who don't know this gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so when it goes on here in verse 11, and we talk about the parable of the lost son, right? The prodigal son. And let's just read this and and get some understanding on it. He also said in verse 11, he also said, A man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the youngest son gathered together and he had traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. And you know, when it comes to us in the church, we want to scrutinize everyone within the organization. We want to scrutinize everyone within the church community. We want to scrutinize every church member. And this is the biggest problem. The biggest problem is if we don't start functioning the way we need to function, we will function incorrectly. You see, what we need to do is we need to get busy seeking the lost. We need to get busy getting people saved so that we don't focus only on ourselves and look at each other and try to make each other so perfect that we start to get nitpicky and we start to pick on things that we shouldn't even be focusing on. And so this young man, after he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his food from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he understood, you know what, I've sinned, I've messed up, and when I go back, I'm not expecting to be in the position that I used to be, but let me just have some kind of place some kind of position, some kind of, uh, you know, just space in this place, Father, please. And so it goes on and says, so he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. Okay, now notice this, just like how Jesus, whenever we see him, when he was filled with compassion. So what did the father do? Because of the compassion, he ran, he threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. Now, folks, this guy had been with the pigs. This guy had been in in, within all this food and all this stuff. And, and we don't know his full condition, but we know it wasn't a great condition that he was in. But what did the father do? The father didn't let his condition deter him from compassion. He let his condition move him. He let compassion move him even though he was in a bad condition. In fact, it was that condition that caused the compassion to move for him. And he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Now, I want you to notice this. He said, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And we need to understand this, okay? We need to understand that in in in, in this time and day and age that the robe, when they touched Jesus's robe and, and the high priest and everybody, your clothing identified you, your clothing, when the, 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 the lepers, they had to have a, a clothing that identified them. That lady with the issue of blood, that when you had sickness, there was a clothing that identified you. So your garment was your, your piece of identity. And so this young, this young son returned back to his father in a bad condition. And his father, he said to his father, I'm no longer worthy. And the first thing that his father does is he sorts out his identity. 
Amen. The first thing his father does, he sorts out his identity. You see, you can, you just like how Jesus said, what is easier to say to this man, pick up your bed and walk, or to say to him, you are healed, and that you may know that the Son of Man has power to heal the sick, pick up your bed and walk. So what is better to start deliberating and talking about the process that you need to get, get to and you need to go through, or is it easier just to get you into that process? Is it easier to talk about forgiveness? Is it easier to talk about worthiness? Or is it easier to work with your identity? So this father knew, I can sit and I can have a long discussion with this with this young son of mine, but if I fix his identity issue, if I fix up his identity issue, then I fix him up. And so the father said to the servants, bring the robe. Now note here, the son did not change any behavior yet. The son didn't change much yet. But the father knew if I can fix his identity issue, I will fix his behavior issue. Amen. You see, some of the times, uh, actually not just some of the time, most of the time we behave badly is when we have an identity crisis, when we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. You will never know who you are until you know whose you are. You can never have an identity until you know who created you. Amen. You can't go to the manufacturer of Mercedes-Benz when you drive a BMW and expect him to fix your car. When you have an identity crisis, you have to go to the King of Kings. You can't go to the club. You can't go to somebody, you can't go to a man, you can't go to a woman, you can't go to alcohol, you can't go to drugs, you can't go to any of those things. Go to the creator, right? And so I need to fix his identity. So he brought out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You see, he changed He changed the, the man, not just only from the outside, but he gave him an identity, right? Amen. And then brought the fattened calf and slaughtered it and let's celebrate with the feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. So what was the father rejoicing about? The father is rejoicing that the son used to be dead, but now he is alive. Now, how is he alive? He didn't change too much. He didn't do too much. But this is the compassion of the father. Amen. The compassion of the father is not to wait until there is change to identify the change. Amen. Come on, somebody. The, the function of the father is to declare that change. And that's what God came to do for us through Jesus Christ. He doesn't come to wait to see the change before he declared it. He wants to declare the change ahead of time. Amen. And so this is what we as the church and the body of Christ need to be doing is when we express our love for people, we need to be expressing that love in the sense like how this father was expressing it and letting people know that the love of God is the robe that you wear that changes your identity and takes the dead things and makes them alive. And you don't have to wait until you have changed everything. You see, when you talk to people, people still feel condemned because Physically, they haven't produced enough action for change. Physically, they haven't produced enough action for, for forgiveness. And so they don't feel like they've changed and they don't feel like they're forgiven because their hands and their fingers didn't do anything to deserve the change. But here this father is saying to him, he's saying to him, my compassion and my love for you and my robe that I'm putting on you changes all of the things that you have done. And this is how we express love to people. We say to them, it's not what you do that makes you right. It is what he has done that makes you right. And so the father rejoiced and said, this young son of mine used to be dead, but now he is alive again. But folks, note the son just came home. There wasn't things that he has done to prove a track record that he is now alive. In fact, he has done nothing except just come back to the father. And that's so important. That's the most important thing. It's a willing heart. 
Amen. It's a willing spirit. And so we need to work with that. We want to get people right all on the outside externally. We want to get them looking right and talking right and behaving right. And, and then we want to receive and accept them. The Bible doesn't work that way. The Our Heavenly Father doesn't work that way. Our Heavenly Father loves first. Amen. And change comes second. We want to get people changed first and then we want to give our love. It goes on to say that he was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Now note this, in, and as I close here, his oldest son was in the field and he came near the house and he heard the music and dancing and he summoned one of the servants questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him, but he replied to his father, look, I have been slaving many years for you and I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you have never given me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Now notice here, this son, the older son, was more focused with the works and, and how he had been there for so long and how he had been faithful and how he'd been serving and how he'd been doing everything right and how can the father seem to and appear to be giving favor more to the son who has messed up than the son who has been around. But the father's heart is not about making a difference between the the youngest son and the oldest son, the father's heart is compassion. Amen. The father's heart is compassion. The father's heart is compassion for those who are hurting. And the father goes on to say, these things you have had. And he goes on here and he says to him, amen. He says to him in verse 30, but when this son of yours came who devoured your assets with prostitutes and slaughtered the fattened calf for you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. He says, Son, he said to him, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Amen. He was lost, but he is now found. And the father saying to this eldest son, you always had access to these things. You didn't, you didn't take it. Now, why didn't the eldest son take access to these things? Maybe he felt he didn't deserve it. Maybe he was waiting as he, as he says, your father, you never did it. But the father said, you could have taken it and you could have enjoyed it and you could have celebrated with these things. You see, sometimes we have access to things, but we want somebody else to authenticate us first. We want somebody else to acknowledge what we've been through. It's amazing. There can be a plate of food there, and, and we understand this. And, and, and let me close quickly with this. We understand this at home. There can be a plate of food, like a husband comes home from a busy day. He won't take that plate of food by himself and eat it. He will want his wife to hand that plate of food. What's the difference? Whether you take the plate of food yourself or your wife hands it. But the thing is, at the end of the day, you will eat food, right? But what does he want? He wants to be acknowledged. He wants to be acknowledged. He doesn't just want to take that, that plate of food. And that's what the elder son struggled with. He struggled with being acknowledged. But he didn't realize he was always acknowledged. He just needed to access it. But he didn't want to access it without the acknowledgement and the public recognition. And we need to get these things right. Amen. We need to get these things right between us who have been in church for a long time and those who are coming to church newly. And those of us who have been around for a long time should not make it difficult because we are struggling with acknowledgement and we are struggling with recognition. We should not make it difficult for younger people that are coming through and people who do not know Jesus that are coming through. We need to love and we need, to, we need to overlook our own feelings and our own insecurities. And we need to realize that we have access to all of God's goodness. And we need to take that access and deliver it freely to those who need it. God bless you.